back in January of 2012, the, uh, the, there was a British television station that reported that a large number of adults who were baptized as infants, they, they didn't really uh, adhere to that. Uh, they, they no longer saw themselves as Christians, and so they wanted to set the record straight. But the Church of England refused to make any changes to their baptismal record, so the National Secular Society advised people to complete this certificate of de-baptism to record their own religious beliefs. This would allow them to publicly declare that they do not subscribe to the historical belief of the church. They argued that baptism is carried out on infants before they have the opportunity to make their own choice about their religious beliefs. The church has countered with the fact that the baptism did occur, so it can't be undone. And what they advise is that if an individual wishes to have something else done, then they can make a public statement, and that can be added to their record. And at the time of the broadcast of this news report, the the National Secular Society claims that the certificate had been downloaded over 60,000 times. Now, here's what it looks like, and Jeff's going to show it on the screen as well, but I want to read it to you. It says, the American Atheist Certificate of Debaptism, known by all these present, present that blank, a human being has on this date in public assembly freely renounced a previous mistake and accepted reason over superstition, embraced freedom from needless guilt, and has in solemn ceremony been debaptized. In conformity with unalienable rights, this certificate attests that the above person, the above named person, has achieved the mental attitude which unreservedly accepts the supremacy of reason and has established as a unique individual a system of ethics verifiable by experience, independent of all arbitrary assumptions of authority or creeds. It gives you an opportunity to sign your name, and, and the certificate that I found is already witnessed, so you're good to go. I have several copies, have several copies of that up here. Um, if, if when we get done today, you decide this is for you, then these are for you. Um, I have to tell you that when I heard about this story and actually watched it, but the video was really grainy, so I decided not to show it, and, and did some more reading, I have to tell you, I was pretty inspired. I was inspired by it because what it tells me is that there are men and women who are taking responsibility for their own lives. They're not advocating their responsibility for their faith to their parents or to the priest or, or to the church. In fact, they've given it some serious thought. And what they're saying is, hey, I may have been raised this way, but I believe this now, and, and I want to make sure that people know that from this point forward in my life. The other thing that inspired me was that this subject of baptism w- was so special and so significant and had such deep-rooted meaning to the people that, that they chose to go to all this effort to all this trouble to be debaptized and, and sign a piece of paper that says, hey, I just don't believe in Jesus anymore. And I think we need to wrestle with a question this morning. Why is baptism so important? We're in our why series, and we've been looking at different things, and today we're going to look at, at, at why baptism. And I think many of us here in the room today, we have different thoughts and different experiences and different feelings and different emotions about baptism. There's so much emotion attached to this, and the reality is that probably 90% of our view of baptism is shaped by the way we were raised in our home or in the church that we attended. Uh, we, we, uh, we get the rest of our percentage from a lot of different sources, but the majority of it is based 
mainly on our past and our experience and not so much on what Scripture says. And as we address this issue of why baptism, I just have a couple disclaimers. First of all is this. I cannot cover all the material that you want me to cover this morning unless you just want to be here through dinner, all right? Because there's so much, not lunch, dinner. I meant that all afternoon. So, um, and also, I'm not going to talk about all the different traditions or what denominations practice and all the different ways that it's done. I'm going to try to hit a few of the highlights to help you understand where I'm coming from. But as a church, as an individual, we see baptism as very important. It's an important experience in the life of a follower of Christ. As believers in Christ, we strive to honor God with our actions and, and understand that these actions do not earn God's favor. They do not earn God's love, but it's a response out of the free gift of salvation, the free gift of love that we have from him. So uh, he, here's, here's something that, that you need to know, and hopefully you already know this, but but PCC, we strive to allow God's word to be the authority for our lives and, and for the church. And while I may be the senior pastor, Jesus is in charge. He's the head. And, and his word is what we go back to to try to find the answers to, to all of our questions. And so we go to the scriptures to, to the best of our ability to find those answers. And so this morning, you can disagree with me. You can disagree with my conclusions. In fact, if I do this right this morning, I'm going to be an equal opportunity offender and everyone's going to be mad at me before you walk out of here today. So I'm just kind of letting you know. And I'm mostly okay with that. If you know me, you know I'm not really. But if that's what it takes, then, then that's where we're going to go. But I challenge you to wrestle with, what does God's word say on this? Not what I already believe, not what I've been told to believe, not what I've thought in the past. But what does God's word say about this? And how do we wrestle with that? And what do we do with that? And allow God to speak to us and show us, what he wants you, what he wants all of us to learn this morning. And so I'm going to pray and ask you to ask God to allow that to happen. And I'm just going to ask God that that, that happens this morning. Let's pray. Father God, as we dive into this subject today, I pray that, that we would be able to take those things that we have thought and maybe the things that we believe and we just kind of set them aside and maybe try to look at this in, in a new and fresh way. Father, would you reveal to us what you want us to know? Would you reveal to us what you want us to see, and, and would you help us to draw closer to you uh, in this process? We love you, Father, and, and I pray that, that your presence would be felt and that we would be aware of it this morning. It's in your son's name we pray. Amen. I invite you to uh, follow along in the back of your bulletin. There's no blanks for you to fill in, which if you know me, that's a little, you know, I, I struggled with that, but, but I left some blank spot there so you could write in whatever sticks out to you, whatever question comes up, and, and an opportunity for you just to to kind of think through this with me this morning. The first question that I want to look at this morning, as you see there in your notes, is why should I be baptized? Why should I be baptized? In the Gospels, we see that when Jesus began his ministry, he went to his cousin, John the Baptist, and was baptized in the Jordan River. We see in Acts chapter 2 that when the people heard the message that Peter preached, when they believed that he was the Son of God, whenever they believed what Jesus had done for them and, and they wanted to accept that, they ask, what should, what should I do? And part of what Peter said was, you need to be baptized. That's not all. It's just part of what he said. And that day, 3,000 people decided that as a follower of Christ, they were going to be obedient by baptism on that day of Pentecost. When Philip was with the Ethiopian official in Acts chapter 8, Luke's re Luke records for us that the official made the decision to follow Jesus. And as they were traveling along, they came to a body of water. And the official said, hey, there's water. What's preventing me from being baptized? And nothing. So they went down in and he was baptized right there on the side of the road. In Acts 10, Peter shared the message uh, of Jesus with the family of Cornelius. And after they believed, they were baptized. 
and on and on and on. Baptism is so significant that if you look in the New Testament, specifically in the early church history book of Acts, that's where we find that, what you find there and in the rest of the New Testament is that every individual who placed their faith and their trust in Jesus received God's grace and they were baptized by immersion into the name of Jesus. Baptism is an ancient symbol of our faith. And I don't think there's any other subject when it comes to doctrine, especially, that carries as much emotion as does this subject of baptism. And you may be sitting there going, what's he going to say next? And I, I can feel it. I'm just going to let you know. I, I can tell that. It's okay. Everybody take a deep breath. We're all going to walk out of here at some point today. All right? It's all good. There's a large debate of what to do with this subject. There's a large debate within churches of what to do on this topic. Some churches tend to overemphasize the practice of baptism. It's almost as if you get wet and that's what makes you a Christian. It's kind of like powdered milk, you know? What do you do to powdered milk? You add water and presto, right? It's all good. Some churches say, you know what, just add water and it's all good. But I, I think there's more to it than that. Baptism is very important, but there's more to the Christian life than just getting wet. And while some churches overemphasize, other churches, they don't give it the amount of attention and importance that it deserves. Baptism was very prominent in the words of Jesus. It was very prominent in the life of the early church. Uh, but many Christians seem to act like it's just not important at all, that it's no big deal. If I get to it at some point, great. If I don't, eh, no big deal. But when you look at the scriptures, the Bible teaches us that baptism is a very meaningful expression of our faith in Jesus Christ, and it's a natural response to those that, were, that have experienced Christ's love. They, they have faith. People have faith, and then they embrace Jesus. And, and the scripture tells us that when that happens, they are to be baptized. Jesus said to his disciples right before he left the earth in Matthew chapter 28, verses 18 through 20, we call it the Great Commission, all authority in heaven and on earth has been given to me. Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit and teaching them to obey everything I have commanded you. So Jesus tells his disciples that as they're making other disciples, that they are to baptize people who become his followers. And it's not the only thing, again, but it's one of those important pieces. It's as, it's as if Jesus was saying, you know, the, the first thing that you do to show that you're committed is that you go and you're obedient to me and you're willing to be baptized. One of the things that makes baptism so significant is what it represents. Listen to the words of Paul in Romans chapter 6, beginning in verse 3. Paul says, Or don't you know that all of us who were baptized into Christ Jesus were baptized into his death? We were therefore buried with him through baptism into death, in order that just as Christ was raised from the dead through the glory of the Father, we too may live a new life. And I love the beautiful imagery that it that shares there about baptism. You see, whenever we baptize the way uh, the Bible describes it, you see the death, you see the burial, you see the resurrection. You're identifying with Jesus. And I can think of no more meaningful way than to celebrate this kind of commitment. I've had the privilege of baptizing a, a large number of people in, in my lifetime. And it's always an amazing experience for me as I get to participate in that with them. Many of you can bear witness to that fact as you've seen baptisms here at, at PCC. Uh, there's one Sunday <clears throat> that I hear that, that I will never forget, um, and you may have been here and you know this experience as well. Um, you may or may not know this, but 
about three years ago, I think it was, we got a new baptistry. And that's because the old one cracked and it was a big mess. But the old baptistry, what, back up, this, this new baptistry, it's pretty nice. Because all you got to do is, you know, plug it so the water doesn't run out of it, push a button, and walk away. And it gets hot, it's all nice, you know, so, wow, you know, really nice. But the old system was, you'd have to come up and plug it, and you'd have to get down in and plug it. So whenever you had to drain it, you had to get down in too. So anyway, but you had to plug it, you had to turn the water on, and then you had to set a timer. And about three hours later, come back and turn off the water so it didn't overflow into the whole church. Then you had to turn on the heater, and about six hours later, then it would be warm. Well, Sunday started for me Saturday night about 11 o'clock one Saturday. I got this prompting from God, and if you know me, anyway, um, and it said, go fill the baptistry. Because we don't always keep the baptistry full. It's just whenever we know that we're going to need it because you don't want, you know, standing water all the time. Um, And so uh, when I got that prompting, I was like, "Uh, no, it's it's 11 o'clock at night. I'm tired. I need to go to bed. I've got church tomorrow. And yet it was very clear to me that's what I was supposed to do. So I told Michelle what was going on. She's like, oh, okay. So I get, come up here, turn it on, go home, set my alarm for 2.30 in the morning, come back up, turn off the water, turn on the heater go home so that it's ready whenever I arrive for church. Well, church, it goes pretty normal. Uh, you know, nothing extraordinary. I uh, gave the uh, response time, the invitation time. And um, during that response time, a couple walked up. A couple Michelle and I knew or know pr- fairly well. And uh, we'd gotten to know them over the, the course of, of time. And uh, we talked about bat- baptism on several occasions. And they had yet to be baptized. And, and they came over and said, hey, we want to be obedient in baptism. And I was like, hey, that's great. You know, when do you want to do that? And they look at each other and look at me and like, how about right now? Okay. All right, yeah. <laughs> so they, in their church clothes, me and my church clothes, we go into the baptistry, and I have the privilege of baptizing Greg and Carla Whitlow. Now, if you remember that Sunday, I, from standing in there, simply grabbed the mic and looked out and said, anyone else? Somewhat joking, but somewhat serious, right? The service is dismissed, and about five minutes after the service is over, I am informed that someone else said, yeah. Donna Hake said, hey, I want to be obedient. I want to do this too. And so I grabbed the mic and come out and say, hey, everybody, whoever's left, you want you to know that Donna's going to do this, blah, blah, blah. And her husband, Ken, from the back says, not without me. He'd been waiting on her, right, Ken? And so, in the course of time, just a few minutes later, Lisa Licklider had the privilege of baptizing Donna, and Craig Licklider had the privilege of baptizing Ken. Now, here were people who'd been walking with the Lord, had a relationship with the Lord, and yet they'd never taken that step of being obedient in baptism. And that day they did. They said, hey, I need to do this. I need to take this step. I need to be obedient. They publicly declared I identify with Jesus because of what Jesus has done for me, because of the the new life that I have in him, because of the relationship I have with him. In this public place, before many of you, they said, I'm going to let everybody know what God has done for me. And they were obedient. And their life is different because of Jesus. And I want to suggest that's why you should get baptized, have that new life in Jesus. There's more questions. There's also, when should I get baptized? Some of you, uh, maybe you're like me, you were, you were baptized as an infant. I, I was sprinkled on March 26, 1972, 
and I have a little baptismal certificate in my baby book to prove it. And the note beside that says, he didn't cry one bit. I was perfect even, no, never mind. Um, And if you, like me, were baptized as an infant, you may be wondering, should I get baptized again? Others of you, maybe you have this thought that you, how much do I have to know? How much do I have to learn before I can take that step? Other people have been following Christ for a long time. And the question that I get from them is, well, why should I do that now? Isn't everything good? I mean, why should I do that? Well, what does the Bible say about when someone should be baptized? If you look at the book of Acts, there's a lot of information about baptism. I want to highlight one verse, Acts 8, 13, which says, Simon himself believed and was baptized. It's a short verse, and there's more to it in the context and all that stuff, but it tells us a lot because it tells us that Simon believed and then he was baptized. And you have to go just to that verse time and time again as you go through uh, the scriptures, all throughout the New Testament, belief was followed by baptism. Faith in Christ and then baptism. The example of the scripture shows us that baptism occurred in most cases right after or immediately following a person's decision to follow Christ. And I think there's a lot of parallels between baptism and and marriage. Uh, Michelle and I have been married uh, almost 18 and a half years. And I have to tell you that I cannot pinpoint the exact moment that I fell in love with her. Okay? I don't know exactly when that happened, but it happened. And, and as it happened, or when I realized that it had, it had happened, I kept hearing the words of my father in my head that said, it's not that you can live with her, it's that you can't live without her. And that was very, very, very real and, and very true to me. And while I cannot tell you that exact moment I fell in love with her, I can tell you the day that I made my commitment to her, anniversary, guys, you're supposed to remember those things, Right? The day that I said, I publicly declare in front of God and these witnesses that I'm going to live the rest of my life with her. And I think baptism is very similar. uh, You're out there and and many of you desire to follow Christ. You you desire and you are learning more about him. People know that you go to church and you're a believer, but you just haven't made that step of public commitment to him. Often people say, well, I was baptized as a baby. Isn't that good enough? I mean, my parents had that done for me. And if your parents did that for you, then I would encourage you to go to them, if you can, and say thank you. Tell them thank you for what they have done for you. Because I believe that your parents, probably like mine, they had good intentions. Their motives were pure. They were doing the the best that they knew how to do for you, as my parents did for me. And this is where I'm going to step on a few toes, and uh, I'm okay with that, but I'm sorry. But if you look at what the Bible has to say about the subject of baptism, what we need to realize is that the Bible never talks about infant baptism. There are scriptures that are often used to support this idea of, of infant baptism, and it relates to the baptism or the baptisms when entire households were baptized. That's what I'm trying to say. For instance, you have the baptism of the household of Lydia, as well as the family of the Philippian jailer in Acts chapter 16. We also have the account of Stephanus and his family in 1 Corinthians chapter 1. And from those passages, you have to draw one of two conclusions. You either have to say that there were infants or children in the household and they were baptized, or there weren't. And since it doesn't say specifically, what we're kind of required to do is to look at where it does say specifically. And when you look further into the text, what you find is that everyone we can say, they were baptized. You know, verify, put it down, check the mark, circle it, highlight it. First, they made the decision to follow God. They made the decision to accept Christ. 
And we believe that, that infants don't have that capacity. According to Scripture, it's a very personal decision that each person should make. Now, again, as I said, I was baptized. I was, I was sprinkled as an infant. But later in life, when I was old enough to, to know for myself and make that decision for myself, I publicly declared that I wanted to follow Jesus and I was baptized by immersion. I was baptized because I believed. So where did infant baptism come from? And, and I'm not going to go too far down this road, but a lot of churches talk about it. A lot of churches practice it. So, so why? Well, here's a brief history lesson, and I emphasize the brief. About two or three hundred years after the church began, one of the doctrines that, that I think got a little uh, distorted was this doctrine of original sin. Uh, I believe that some well-meaning people got off track in their teaching that the moment a child is born, that God holds them accountable for their sinful nature. And if a baby died, then they would spend eternity away from Jesus. But here's the thing. I just can't find that in Scripture anywhere. Scripture doesn't communicate that fact. In, in fact... Jesus said in Mark chapter 10, Let the little children come to me, and do not hinder them, for the kingdom of God belongs to such as these. Truly I tell you, anyone who will not receive the kingdom of God like a little child will never enter it. And it's a strong reference to the small children being in the kingdom of God. In the Old Testament book of 2 Samuel, we find King David grieving over the death of his infant son. And look at what it says in 2 Samuel chapter 12. It says, while the child was still alive, I fasted and wept. I thought, who knows? The Lord may be gracious to me and let the child live. But now that he is dead, why should I go on fasting? Can I bring him back again? I will go to him, but he will not return to me. And the key part of that verse is when David says, I will go to him. David never practiced infant baptism. It's not something that was even on their radar. And yet he was not concerned about his infant child being in God's care and that one day he would go to him. This, this idea of original sin has led to the change in the doctrine of baptism. One, this idea is that the baptism uh, carries with it this baptismal regeneration. And that's the doctrine that if, if a baby is baptized, then it's saved from spending eternity away from Jesus if the child happens to die. And again, the early church never taught that. The church never said that a child's soul is in danger. The, the, the Bible doesn't say that either. So when is someone old enough to be baptized? Well, I, I think it goes a, a case-by-case basis. It's a decision on, that they have to make. It's a decision that I think parents guide in and, and other people because it's whenever they can be aware of their own sin and whenever they can make their faith their own. I don't think there's one set time. I don't think there's one set age. For me, it was when I was nine. I... I recognized, man, I, I'm a sinner, and I need a Savior, and, and I didn't understand everything I needed to know about God. I still don't understand everything I need to know about God, and yet I understood that I needed Jesus, and I needed to make that decision for myself, and so I did. I made that decision, and I was obedient. Another question, can you be a Christian and not be baptized? Here's a hot topic for you. So what do we do? I think you've got you to go look at the scriptures. And I think if you go and look at the scriptures, the answer to that question is yes. And there's a couple of, of examples we see. In, in Acts chapter 19, the example of some of the disciples of John that had been baptized for the repentance, and they were waiting for Jesus to, to come, the one to come, and they didn't know about him yet. And then whenever uh, uh, Paul shows up and says, hey, 
I need to tell you about Jesus. And once they heard about Jesus, they were like, oh, okay, yeah, that's what we've been waiting for. And they were baptized into Jesus. So obviously, they were believers. They, they already, you know, were, were good with God. And once they were instructed, they were obedient in baptism. The most familiar example, and the one that I have people argue, you know, whenever I play devil's advocate and go to the other side of this equation, is the thief on the cross. The thief said to Jesus, I believe in you. I, I believe in who you are. And will you please remember me? And Jesus says to him, today you will be with me in paradise. And I'm pretty sure they didn't give him time off to go over to the river and, you know, do that thing and come back, you know, oh, yeah, go ahead. I'm pretty sure that that didn't happen. But I would say this. I would suggest that had the thief had the opportunity, he would have been baptized. That's my opinion. You see, my concern is for those of you who are here this morning, and you know what the Bible says, you know what the early church did and how the followers of Jesus were obedient in baptism, but for some reason, you're choosing not to, and as best I can tell, you're not nailed to anything. It seems to me that as a follower of Jesus, you would be willing to do anything Jesus asked you to do. And if we're willing to accept his free gift of salvation through the blood of Jesus Christ, but we'd rather not be obedient and go public with our decision, I just have to scratch my head, and it's things that I just can't wrap my peanut-sized brain around. I just don't understand. Because what we see in the Bible is that if you're physically able to be baptized, then the real question is, why not? Why would you not be baptized? Here's what's very clear in the scriptures. Jesus was baptized. Jesus says that we're to be baptized. He's told his followers that when people turn toward me to baptize them, the early church did that. Time and time and time again, you see it happening. One scholar put it this way. Baptism is necessary if we are to be obedient to Christ, for he commanded baptism for all who believe in him. And baptism is a very amazing experience that we as followers of Christ have the opportunity to to identify ourselves with Jesus in this way. Here's another question that I'm asked. How should I get baptized? After all, there's sprinkling, there's pouring, there's dunking, there's spritzing, there's, you know, whatever. All those different ways, what difference does it make? And I've got to tell you, after doing uh, some, some research and some soul searching and being challenged with what I think, I, I've come to the conclusion that, that I really think that God never intended for us to get in so much debate about how much water is used in the process. I, I just don't. But having said that, I'd also have to say that when I look at the scriptures for examples, the New Testament clearly explains how we are to be baptized. The New Testament was written in Koine Greek, and the reason that that is significant is because Koine Greek is a dead language, all right? Dead languages, they don't change. They stay the same. So it means the same thing today as it did back then. And the word used in the New Testament for baptize is the Greek word baptizo. You've probably heard this before. And that word literally means to plunge, to dip, to dunk, to submerge, or immerse. And the most uh, fun example I found of that was when a guy used the word baptizo to explain how you make pickles. <laughs> and because that's what the word means here at PCC, we choose to baptize by immersion because... It is the example that was set for us in the scriptures. It's undeniable that's the way Jesus was baptized. It's the way the church baptized for hundreds of years. It symbolizes most what Jesus did for us that, that Paul talks about 
in Romans chapter 6, 3, and 4 that I read before. It, it just it makes sense. This practice of sprinkling as a form of baptism was not introduced in, until centuries later. It was introduced as a mean, uh, means of convenience, I, I learned in this, because oftentimes it was difficult to fill the large tubs of water in cathedrals that didn't have any plumbing. That made sense to me. It's also worth noting that the Catholic Church didn't approve of sprinkling until 1311, meaning the practice of baptism by immersion is what they did exclusively up until 1311. And in 1311, they made the change, and it, abs- it changed their doctrine as well. At PCC, we simply decide to baptize in the same way that, that we see them doing it in the Scripture, to follow their example. There's something else that I also want you to know, and I'm just about done, so hear this. If you heard nothing else, hear this. You're mad at me? Hear this, all right? Here at PCC, we strive to be Christians only, fully recognizing the fact that we are not the only Christians. There are, are going to be lots of people in heaven that never pass through this church's doors, Right? There's going to be lots of people, I believe, from a a, a wide variety of denominations in heaven. But as a church, our goal is to do the best we can to look at what the scripture says and to use that as our mode of practice. So let me ask you a question. Have you been baptized by immersion as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you? Yes or no? That's the question. It doesn't have to be here could be anywhere, but were you baptized as a result of your faith in Jesus Christ? Have you taken that step of obedience and made that public commitment to Jesus? And if you have not, if you're a follower of Jesus, if you believe in him, if, you, if you've accepted his grace in your life and you've not made that decision and you haven't publicly done that, I just have to ask you, why not? Just why not? And you don't have to answer that question for me. That's a question that you need to answer for you. This is between you and God. This is a decision that you need to wrestle with with him. But why not? Why have you not made that choice to be obedient to him? For some, maybe it's just as simple as you just weren't informed. You didn't actually realize what the Bible said. And I hope I've shed some light on what the Bible says about this topic. For some of you, it may be that you're just not willing to make that public commitment. And with that, I challenge you with this. Isn't Jesus worth it? Isn't he worth our obedience and our response? In this one area, isn't he worth it? He's inviting you to walk with him and to be obedient to him and make him your your Lord and Savior. And so the question is, why not? And how will you respond? Chris is going to come up and and he's going to, to lead us in a song that talks about us wanting the Lord and the Lord above all. And how we need to, to be following him and being obedient to him. And this morning, I just want to challenge you with, why not? Maybe you've never accepted Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior. That's where you've got to start. You've got to make him the Lord of your life. And then let's talk about baptism and, and follow what the scriptures say about being obedient. Maybe you've been following and you've never taken that step. Let's do that. Why not? Maybe something's going on in your life. Maybe you have more questions. Maybe you just want to talk to someone This time of response is for you. Baptistry's got water in it. It's ready. And if you're here and you're ready, we're ready to receive you. That's not the only reason you could come forward today. There's lots of other things, but but why not? If you haven't made that step, why not today? 
Why not be obedient today? Stand with me. We're going to sing as a response to the Lord. And if you want to talk to someone, you make your way over to the cross. In fact, I'm going to ask the leadership team members, if if you would, just to to meet me over there. That way we're ready to receive people as they come. And uh, we'll meet you over there. And let's talk about this as you wrestle with being obedient to the Lord this morning. Let's sing.